So what's your podcast about? Superheroes. It's a little geeky, but I think you guys are going to like it. Try not to be too geeky. No, I can't promise that. Should we begin? It's a bird. It's a plane. It's the Geek and You Shall Find podcast. And now, your hosts, Kelsey Dickerson, Brad Fay, Kate Fay, and Noah Berlin. Hold on to your butts. Welcome to the Geek and You Shall Find podcast powered by Superhero Faces. My name is Noah and we are back. We are back with three quarters of the OG podcast team. Kelsey's back. Kate is back. They have returned to the United States of America fresh off of their European tour. So got to say thanks to Travis and Ali G for filling in. They did an awesome job. It was so great breaking down these episodes with them, but it is awesome to have you two back. So I have to ask Kelsey, Kate, what was the highlight? Give me some highlights of your trip in Europe. Oh man, it was amazing. We wish you were there, Noah, but thank you so much for holding down the four and special thanks to Ali and Travis as well. They're welcome back anytime, especially if it means that I'm traveling. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was a great time. We definitely missed you guys. Um, But I would have to say I... I'm so excited because while we were over there, not only were we able to see a lot of amazing things, but we did a lot of filming for some of our upcoming projects. So we were all over Italy, all over Germany, filming um, everything from Game of Thrones related to Star Wars, Star Trek, and everything in between. Um, We're really super excited for some docuseries that are coming up with superhero faces. So hopefully everyone can tune in, keep updated with us. And if you're not familiar with Geek and You Shall Find the documentary, make sure to go check it out because it's definitely a great baseline that is the jumping point for what our future docuseries are going to be. So in addition to great company, great food and great beer, it was definitely us being able to film some stuff and and get really jump started in these projects that hopefully will be wrapping up soon. Love that. What about you, Kate? Anything of note? Anything special? Um, definitely getting super drunk and dancing on tables at Oktoberfest was a highlight. This is actually my third Oktoberfest, so I feel very lucky about that, but it was just as fun as the others. Um, and then my other highlight was going to Lake Como and being on the famous Star Wars balcony where, uh, Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman, the I hate sand scene. That was really cool. Oh, Attack of the Clones, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, I am very happy to have you back. I can't tell you how jealous that I was while you were gone, but I'm happy that you were both able to catch up on House of the Dragons because here today we are going to talk about episode number eight called The Lord of the Tides. We're going to talk about the MVPs of the episode. We're going to talk about the LVPs of the episode. We're going to talk about that scene and much more today. So everybody listening and watching, please keep the conversation going with us. Leave your thoughts down in the comment section and make sure to subscribe, like, and follow us on social media. But all right, if you haven't watched the episode yet, this is your warning because we're going to break down the Lord of the Tides. We're going to give you our thoughts on the episode. We're going to give you our takes, our predictions, but don't worry about any spoilers for the rest of the season or the rest of the series because We've stayed away from all the online leaks. We have not read the book Fire and Blood, so you're all set there. But moving on to the episode, 
I don't know about you guys, but I think I need some milk of the poppy after watching that one for real. <laughs> um, <laughs> we saw our our final big time jump. This one took place six years after the previous episode. And the majority of the drama centered originally around the succession of Driftmark, the Driftwood Throne. We saw the Greens and the Blacks posturing, and then we saw a calm before the storm at a super awkward family dinner. Personally, I'm really conflicted about a certain character and where they fall for me in the whole MVP, LVP debate. But let's start with the positives here. Kelsey, please, can you give me, talk to us a little about your MVP from this episode? Oh, man. Well, if anyone is watching on YouTube, uh, Kate's got my man up there, Damon Targaryen. He is absolutely the MVP for me, which is very interesting because I don't even know how many words he has in this uh, <laughs> in this episode, maybe 20. But he is just so such a commanding presence. And I think we really see a lot more depth to him. He's obviously grown over these last few years. I think his um, marriage to um, is it Lena? Yes. So his, I think his marriage to Lena and raising his children with her really helped him um, grow, become a man, really find his place. Um, and just really, you know, we see that softer side to him. Obviously he was very sad when Lena um, doesn't make it through child or was, wasn't going to make it through childbirth. And so she decides to go out of a dragon rider's death. Like she forementioned in the beginning of the episode and, um, you know, goes through that and you just see a lot of really tender moments with Damon as well as him being a fucking bad ass. Like there's lots of tales of him being, you know, that hard ass, great com combat person. And like, you know, he absolutely stepped up and protected his family and protected his woman slash niece slash wife slash, you know, <laughs> whatever, whatever that circle thing is. But he was my number one MVP. And I, it makes me, I don't know. I always, every time I have an MVP or a character that I love when it comes to House of the Dragon or Game of Thrones stuff, I just just have to brace my heart. <laughs> but he was it for me. Yeah, you're not wrong about that. I mean, and I feel a little bad. I take back everything bad I said about Matt Smith and his beady eyes. I really do. <laughs> I think Damon Targaryen is by far, by far the best character in this show. And I think that you hit the nail on the head, Kelsey. I mean, he does so much with so little where in terms of the dialogue, I mean, this is the second episode in a row. The other one that that centered around him, I think it was episode two, the Rogue Prince or one of the early episodes. And he had that whole battle with the crab feeder and all that stuff. And like, he hardly says anything in that episode. And he does so much with that nonverbal acting. But this one specifically, I mean, in, in the, the episode starts, he says the one line about how he, he found the three eggs that he got for his now three children with Rhaenyra. And then he says the hardest line when uh, well, he, he knows Vayman's about to, to go out of pocket. And he's like, say it, say it. And then, when he, <laughs> then he, he follows that up with, find out. Yeah, I mean, so he's, he's the definition of fuck around and find out. And it's so great. I just love it so much. His, you said uh, his commanding presence. Exactly. Like you hit the nail on the head. Um, and just seeing how dominating he can be and how commanding without even saying a word. And that last one where he just kind of, he like just looks back Rhaenyra's kids and he just looks at Aemond and Aemond's like ready to start shit. And he looks at him, he's like, <laughs> you know, he, like, he's not, no, he's not like, like mad or anything. He just kind of looks at him like, fuck around and find out. Let's see. <laughs> and, he, and he backs him down. It's just so amazing. Uh, so Kate, did you have Damon also or did you have somebody else? So I had two, Damon, 
obviously is one of my MVPs. I cannot quit this man. I love him. I'm obsessed with him and I love him and Rainier together. And like you guys said, like he's one of my favorite characters, which is funny because I, I hated him in the beginning. <laughs> I think he was my first LVP. He was. I remember um, and now I'm like liking every single thirst tweet there is about him. So. Girl, I can't get enough of these thirst tweets. When I found out that the crown, like, so that the crown falling off of King Viserys's head was improv of him going and picking it up and yes. like that look like I, you guys said it like he does everything with those looks and like when I found that out like I'm going to be the queen of the tides because it's about to <laughs> it's about to get something I won't finish that sentence but yes. yeah I mean you guys already said it like I had a note that like his facial expressions are like the best like and also his whole demeanor like his character is just phenomenal like I, I just love everything about him he's such a badass and he like kind of care like he cares when it's important like he cares about Rhaenyra and like his kids and his stepkids and stuff but he also like kind of doesn't give a shit um or pretends to and I like that um but yeah when Allison enters the room when they're um waiting for her and she enters to greet them or whatever his he just looks so annoyed it was cracking me up um, so I love that. And then my second one real quick, I know I'm taking a long time on this, but, um, my second one was Viserys cause, and which is funny too, because like we have hated on him this whole time and now he's my MVP, <laughs> but that's what this show does. They like subvert everything, like your favorites, then you, you hate them. You end up hating them. You're, uh, the people you hate, you end up loving them. Um, but I just, loved love love that scene with him getting up out of his deathbed coming into the throne room supporting his daughter uh, it was just such a great scene I I just was rooting for him the whole time um and I'm sad that he's gone now Rhaenyra his only child yeah he... I know what a quote Ooh. King Viserys was my number one MVP as well Damon was the secondary one for me and Viserys I mean, and a little spoiler alert for this this podcast, but King Viserys is simultaneously my MVP and my LVP. Um, and that's the trademark of a good character, I guess, just like you're saying, Kate. But first of all, Patty Considine, who's the actor that played Viserys, he, I mean, he acted his ass off. Like the acting in the show is so good all around, of course. But this dude, he has looked terrible as for a while, right? He's been more and more decrepit every episode. But I don't know if I've ever in any medium seen somebody portray a person that's dying so effectively. Like, I, I felt it. I mean, that his last dying breath, he's there with his hand and he's like, ah, man, that was <laughs> wild. I mean, it's it's twofold because it's the physical aspect of it. Mm -hmm. The makeup artist, holy shit, with his face. It's like, he looked like Two-Face. Like, oh my Lord. Like, with the, the eye socket. The, the, the makeup, I had a friend reached out and said that they think that the, the makeup artist could be the MVP of the episode, which for oh. sure, um, wild. But then from the emotional aspect of it, like you see a guy who is dying and he's finally basically on his deathbed, understanding the gravity of the decisions that he made and the indecisions, right? And 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 it's heartbreaking that he finally realizes that when it's too late, probably to do anything. And that's just so sad to think uh, to think about from his perspective, because you saw how happy when he brought everybody together for dinner. And we'll get more to this scene later. You see how happy he was just having everyone together and he's pleading with them like, 
just, you know, I, I'm not talking to you as a king. I'm talking to you as your husband and father and brother and grandsire. He says, like, he's like this, the crown cannot be strong when the house of the dragon remains divided. And just, I don't know. It's wild. The acting from his part and just as a character, he really tried hard to, to make things better. And Kate, you're right. When he came in, I mean, it, he came strolling with his mask. It looked pretty, pretty badass, actually. And he's like, I'll sit the throne today. And then it was like triumphant music. I'm like, that's my king. There it is. Like, I'm like, I'm like hooting and hollering, like hyping this dude up. It was just a boss move. Um, yeah, he he was dope. And I'm I'm a I'm gonna miss that guy. Yeah. Like five weeks ago, we were like totally shitting on him, being like, I know every wrong decision. Um, I mean. He's still and I mean, made a yeah, lot of wrong decisions. There's still awesome. some ramifications from that, but like that scene was just oh, I got I got chills. But and he's a deep character, right? Because and somebody else said it before, but it's crazy how like truly he's the best king we've ever seen in the Game of Thrones universe. Like all the other ones were either terrible or cruel or morons or whatever. Like this dude just he he's not a strong guy. He's like a little soft. He wants to like avoid confrontation and avoid conflict and made some boneheaded decisions that were a little selfish, but I mean, he's, he's a good person and you just see the depth there. We're like, and then that's what makes it heartbreaking when you see him realize, you know, the, the impact of these decisions and what he's, what he's done. And man, it's just, Oh, I don't know. It's hard, but, but that's why I have him as both an MVP and an LVP, right? Because he's still, fucked everything up i mean the downfall of his house is his fault essentially and so obviously there's more factors to it but but that's why i have him as an mvp and an lvp so moving on to lvp kate let's stick with you who did you have as your lvp for the episode um so i had a couple first one is damon (laughs) see ya buddy um (laughs) i don't dislike him as a character I mean we haven't seen a ton of him um in the previous episodes but he seemed to be like a pretty good guy um this far but obviously when they're doing the petitions in the throne room um he kind of loses his petition to be the king of driftwood and uh kind of loses it a little bit and um obviously he starts calling Jace and Luke bastards and Rhaenyra a whore which um we don't slut shame but like everything else he said like he has every I thought he had every right to be upset and you know he's calling it out and it's true like it's you know they are not legitimate um but then my man comes in and just slices his head right off um and the other thing was, like, I felt like people didn't really care after he died. Like, no one seemed <laughs> to really, like, care that much. And I was like, oh, sorry. Like, yeah. Oh, man. Um, I agree. It's hard. It's hard because obviously in this world, you can't really be someone who is so staunch on the truth. Like, you just can't because we see what that, what happens. Um, hi, Calvin. That's <laughs> a little tale. Um you know, I saw all over again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I saw a tweet that was saying that, like, you know, people who are so staunch about having the truth come out, 
um, when so many people are really trying to further themselves or further their house or try to play this game where honesty is not key and, um, it's often going to cost you and it cost him everything. And I think he knew that. And he just wanted to go out literally all guns blazing, calling everyone a fucking bastard and a whore and just putting it out there so he could say his piece and, and really, so what he wanted to say, um, that people wouldn't say out loud, but there was whispers of a lot. Um, so I think that was definitely a, a badass way to go out and, the graphics of his head getting sliced off and keeping the tongue insane and when yeah I mean I know we already talked about it but when Damon is like say it I was like bro so good I mean Damon I'll give him this like he wanted the smoke he wanted the smoke he, he didn't give a fuck and last episode when um they were watching the um the the funeral they're doing the funeral at Mark for Elena and he's giving the eulogy in High Valyrian and he's throwing shade even then he's looking at Rhaenyra and her kids and he's talking about their salt in the blood of the Valyrians and they need to keep like clean it up I'm like damn bro so he started this talking shit that episode and then he comes back in this and like yeah I think he realized like he was gonna he was gonna go for it and as soon as it didn't work out for him, he's like, all right, I, I shot my shot. I, I'm going to, I'm going to do, I'm going to play my hand. And that's, that's it. And I mean, he said to the King, he said, you break law and centuries of tradition to install your daughter as heir. And yet you dare tell me who deserves to inherit the name Valerian. No, I will not allow, allow it. That is no true Valerian. And that is no nephew of mine. And then, then he's like, you may run your house, how you see fit. You will not decide the future of mine. And that's when he like Damon saw the look in his eye, like he he could tell, like oh he he wants to get it right here, like come on, keep going, say it, say it, right? <laughs> and just like the way Damon does it, not in like a badass, like threatening, like oh I'll get you know, he just looks at him, he's like come on, please, please do it, yeah. and he and he and he did it, and he did it, and the little tongue flopping around, man, that was, was like venom, like. Ugh. How did he he cut it that way that the tongue was still there? I don't know. I've watched that scene a couple times to figure out how the hell he did that. But and he knew he he fell forward. He he didn't see it. And man, that was that was super dope. Uh, But also, did you catch the look that Amund gave to Damon after that happened? Did you guys catch that? He loves Damon. Like he wants Damon to be his daddy. Well, I mean, who doesn't? I would say I think. I don't know. I think this episode was full. Like, obviously we mentioned that Damon himself doesn't have a lot of, of dialogue, but it wasn't just him that it was body language and it was the little subtle looks. And it was just, you know, facial expressions from across the room or who someone was looking at while they were speaking or who they were walking towards. This episode was so full of that. And it's like, you have to be watching everyone's minute facial expressions to know what the hell is going on. And, um, I'm not sure, but I think that they're kind of gearing up something towards like Damon and Amon's possibly, you know, obviously we know that they're the dance of the dragons is going to be coming, but like, I think they're going to be very good foes of each other. And they're going to, I think there's a mutual respect, at least for Amon. Um, like he respects Damon in a way of like being like, okay, like I understand where you're coming from and I know your game and I know who you are. But Damon doesn't quite have like that respect for for Eamon as like, you know, like a 
a true combatant, I guess, like, you know, a true good appoint- opponent, but I'll be excited. Also, does anyone think that they just recycled Damon's, uh, wig. Damon's wig for, <laughs> for him? It looks exactly uh, the same. I mean, they look so much alike they that do. I'm like, and when they were staring at each other, I'm like, I mean, I cannot wait for them to fight. Like that is going to be, that is going to be awesome Uh, because they're both badass, but like, oh man, I just can't wait for that. Well, Uh, and especially if it's on dragons too, because Caraxes is pretty badass. And then obviously Eamon has Vagar, which is the biggest one. So, man, I mean, for, for a, a, a Damon fan, as we all are, I hope it doesn't take place on dragons because Vagar, the most savage, by far the biggest one. Um, yeah, I don't want that to to happen. <laughs> I don't. I feel bad if that happens. I feel bad for uh, or I'm nervous for our, our guy Damon. Which, by the way, speaking about Vagar, I would also say that he's an MVP. Like he she. didn't. Oh, she. Sorry, Vagar's a she. Dang, I did not know that. Well, Vagar is an MVP okay. because she. Like I don't know. We talk about this all the time, but. Dragons just remind me of scaly, big, smart, fiery dogs. They're so loyal. And like, you can tell that they love their riders. And like, she, they really set it up in like an episode or two before. I can't remember of when they're talking about like how dragons, once you bond to them, is that what it's called? Yeah. Once you bond to your dragon, like they'll only listen to you. And when Lena was saying Dracaris like over and over and over again, and he was just like, or she was just looking at her, like, I don't want to do that. And then finally does. Oh my God. That was heartbreaking. Yeah. But think think about that though. Like uh, Vagar was Lena's dragon. Right. And so Lena and uh, Damon lived together in Pentos or wherever for a long time. And it, like when you see them on a little like dragon riding date a couple episodes ago, uh, a, couple, a couple episodes ago, and like it was Caraxes and, and Vagar, like they were oh. like friends, right? Because they, they lived together, they were each other's whatever. So now if they end up fighting, like that's also kind of heartbreaking because you're right, they bond with the dragons now, You they listen to their riders, but man, it's like, that's quite the reversal of situations there. Oh, so sad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I also had another MVP and that's all of Allison's kids, including M- Allison. MVP or LVP? Oh, LVP. Sorry. I had Allison's boys because Helena seems, I mean, she's weird, but she seems sweet. So, oh yeah. So- I forget that she's there. Sorry. Yeah. yeah the boys. But the boys, the boys suck. They're when you guys were gone, terrible. we, <laughs> that was my LVP last week were the kids and we had nickname. We, be, we came up with nicknames for all of them. So we had Aegon, which is jerk off. Cause <laughs> Ew, right. Oh my God. That scene. Uh, I can't bro. wait to hear what you guys said about that scene because why? That Jane was is so bird un- out the window onto the, onto the streets of King's Landing where people are just trying to do their jobs, you know, just getting nutted on. And, and he always gets just... caught by his mom and he's like naked, like happened yeah. again. Like. So you had jerk off. You had weirdo because you could just tell Amon's going to be a little psycho, uh, and then bug girl because every scene, including I'm thinking even at the dinner table in this episode, I think she was still playing with fucking bugs at the <laughs> dinner table, bro. That she is weird as fuck. All these, yeah. And my other, uh, my other LVP of this episode was Aegon the Second, aka Jerk Off. Not to be confused, not to be confused with Rhaenyra and Damon's new baby, also named Aegon. So. I think them naming their kid Aegon 
and having an Aegon on each side now is like quite the statement for them to make um, because that's such a strong name and the Conqueror and all that stuff and which Aegon deserves to really be the king. You know, I don't know, crazy. But Aegon II, fucking Malfoy lookalike, this little asshole. He's, <laughs> number one, he's a rapist, all right? But he raped Diana, right? Allison has to pay her off and give her the plan BT. He uh, he is just a dick to his cousins or his nephews, I guess. And he got roasted by Helena, his sister slash his wife, in front of everybody at dinner where uh, the bug girl, Helena, gives a toast to Bela and Reyna and she's like, you'll soon be married. Isn't so bad. He mostly just ignores you, except sometimes when he's drunk and everyone's like looking at him like, God damn. <laughs> like, that guy's the worst. idiot. God, he, he's, he's the, the he worst. He is the worst. He is the worst. And the fact that he's the, like even, what's her name? Allison in this episode, when she, she catches him, and she's like, you're no son of mine. And then she's going to leave the episode being like, oh, yay, this guy's got to be king. <laughs> so I'm like, God damn it. Okay, that's what I don't get. Like this whole like this whole split between Allison and Rhaenyra happened because she was disappointed that Rhaenyra sowed her royal oats wherever she wanted to. And like, you know, wasn't a virgin before marriage, whatever. But like. She keeps on defending her shithead son, who literally is the one of the worst people and characters in Westeros like history and is like sitting there being like, yeah, he's going to be king, even though she's like, yeah, to your point, she hates him like she's disgusted by him. And he continuously shows that one. He doesn't want it. He doesn't care. He's like, Rhaenyra is the heir. Why are you telling me all this? I don't give a shit. And she's like, well, because she'll probably kill you which I hope he, I hope she does. Um, <laughs> and then like, yeah. And then he's just doing whatever he wants and being disgusting and just an absolute monster. Like I, I can't stand him. He's wow. horrible. And I hope he gets got. Yeah. I think Allison, yeah, no doubt. She's Go a ahead. total hypocrite. Like you just yeah. said for, yeah. you know, she hates, she hated Rhaenyra and has this huge, like, um, grudge against her for what you just said. Like she was mad that she had to do her duty and Rhaenyra was kind of going off doing what she wanted. And her son is doing the exact same thing. Yeah, the exactly. thing is, I think at the heart of the conflict between Rhaenyra and Alicent is just the role of the patriarchy and how the, the societal norms are and seeing the different ways that the two girls had to navigate their lives in relation to that patriarchy. And so it's almost like, not that he gets a pass, but like that is expected from a guy like, and, and it's okay. You know, they have to live by a different standard and a different set of rules. And that's what Allison is so angry at, but takes that anger out, not on the system, but on Rhaenyra, who still plays by the rules, but also says fuck the rules a lot of times and doesn't seem to have consequences about it. And really it's a whole thing of jealousy and resentment and all that and all that stuff. So yeah, that's a yeah. really good point. Yeah. I remember us talking about this, that, uh, about about that in a previous episode but it really does like you know we just keep on seeing the divisions keep being sewed and sewed and sewed and just divided and divided and divided and i mean it's something that we still see today right that internalized misogynist misogynism misogyny misog 
internalized misogyny. Yeah, the internalized misogyny within women because, yeah, you know, they think, oh, well, I can't do anything to change the system. And so I'm going to get mad at other women and and try to keep them down and, you know, everything like that, which I think is also a very poignant moment right now with everything that's going on in the world, especially in Iran. So it's just definitely something that is very unfortunate. And um, what's it's just the beauty of this show that it is in a fantastical world with all these fantastical beasts and beings and things that are like set in fiction, but we can relate to them even today. And over history, we see all this stuff. So I just, I fucking love (laughs) game of Thrones and I love house of the dragon. And yeah, that's just, uh, it makes me really sad and fucking Viserys being the MVP LVP this week and being too hopped up on milk of the poppy while he's dying, which I don't blame him because as we all know, anyone that's loved a lost one, like you don't want them to go through pain. I'm glad he had milk of the poppy, but fuck man. Like I don't, I don't go. I'm not glad he had milk of the poppy. He fucked everything up with the milk of the poppy. Well, okay. <laughs> he had no cheek and no oh. eye and his whole body was like I know, but the, the one time in this episode that he does good things. It's when he was not taking the milk of the poppy. So he could actually like, I don't know, do shit. And then he fucked every good thing. Okay. You know what? That's a perfect segue right there, Kelsey. So <laughs> I agree with you. I love this show and I love Game of Thrones. And the reason the show is so good is because this is not a show about dragons and knights. It's a show about people that go through the same and similar situations as real life and they're relatable and they are deep and all that, right? And some of the scenes that most perfectly resemble that and, and show that off are ones just like today's that scene, which is of the family dinner. And so obviously the Saris comes in, he wants to have dinner with his family and everyone's like, no one wants to be at this dinner. No one wants to go there. Right. Nobody. I mean, see, for real, like everyone, everyone knows this is the most awkward thing ever. And Maybe like Damon, just cause he loves, like, <laughs> I think he just loves being in the shit and he loves, loves watching drama. It. Yeah, he just loves, like, watching this shit. It's funny, though, because he, like, early on, Damon used to start drama. But now, like, in the later episodes, he, lo- he like, relishes it. But he just loves observing it. And then he'll finish drama. But, like, he doesn't really start it anymore. And it's just so funny to see, like, the little looks he has, the little snickers. Like, ugh, it's, it's hilarious. But so I don't when- think he even laughed at Lena's uh, funeral. Like, when they were seeing yeah. all that stuff, he laughed. Yeah, I was confused about that. And then I saw a thing online that basically said that he knew that like in High Valyrian, what we were talking about earlier, how Vaymond was like throwing shade at Rhaenyra and whatever. And it was like making everyone uncomfortable. So he laughed just to like get the attention on him and like off of that awkwardness. Mm-hmm. But like it was really hard to, I mean, I watched it a couple times to figure out what was going on and I couldn't tell. But then that did make sense in that uh, the little article I wrote. But when when Viserys comes in and he takes off the he's like, I want you to see me who for who I am. And he takes the mask off. Like, what was going through your heads? This man doesn't have an eye. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he has a a socket. That's it. A fat socket. (laughs) I almost thought there was like maggots in there when I first saw it. I was like looking. I was like, what is that? And like true like. Can you guys imagine, I would be like, fucking cut my head off. Like right now, the second that my cheek starts to like, you see the inside of my mouth. Like I'd be like, I'm done. How also when he's drinking milk of the poppy, how is it not coming out all everywhere? I was wondering wondering. that too. Yeah. Was he like, 
They got to do us hit, hit it with a certain angle. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, toss it back to the right side. Um, but yeah, I saw that. And it, I mean, it, it got everyone's attention. It did exactly what he needed. Like, you know, he's like, look at me. I'm supposedly someone that you love. I love all of you. Everything that I've done is for you guys. All I want is you to fucking get along. I know that there's been stuff over these years, but like set it aside because look at me. And to your point, you know, I think you said it perfectly saying, you know, everything was catching up with him as will everything in our lives. You know, it's we're human and we make mistakes and the decisions that we make put us down a path that, you know, you can go one way or another, like with every decision that you make. And he saw every single thing that he's done in his 26 year reign that it's literally broken his family apart. Um, so I think, yeah, just seeing an, an old, an old man trying to get his family together and having that glimpse, that tiny little glimmer of hope when everyone was getting along until the grandkids decided to be dumbasses again, but you know, kids slash <laughs> grandkids yeah yeah I mean he's, but he's I love the- that because that was the last thing he saw like he got to die happy thinking his family was happy even though that is literally the kiss of death on this show because if anybody's happy for two seconds <laughs> yeah I mean it, sure it's brutal but I mean it what he does I mean he has a really heartfelt little speech set aside your grievances for, if not for the crown, for this old man who loves you all so dearly. And like, it works. Like he did it. It worked. Al- Rhaenyra comes up and gives her toast to Alicent. She apologizes. And like, Alicent, like she seemed like she really felt that. I mean, she said, we have more in common than we sometimes allow. And she gave a toast right back. And she says to her, you'll make a fine queen. And you know, Otto Hightower was pissed about that because Otto was like, fuck, we were like, we had this whole thing going. Like you were finally, I got you finally to be fighting for your son. Like fuck Rhaenyra. And she finally like, you think for a moment, everything's like the music was so, it was all beautiful and cheery. Like it's never like that in this show. <laughs> yeah, no, it was really good. And I I thought their speeches were really heartfelt and seemed really genuine. Um, and it even seemed like that continued even on like, there's this small moment, like after the fighting and everything, when Alicent and Rhaenyra were talking and Alicent kind of grabs her hand and says like, don't leave, don't go, you just got here. And I was like, oh my God, like, could this be repaired? Like, I, I don't know, but I almost think Alicent is too, um, too far gone, like too far, too calculated almost that maybe it's not genuine. Well, that's a good thing to bring up. I mean, what do you think, Kelsey? Do you think when she was saying these things, you'll make a great queen, you know, come back, don't leave, all this, like, it seems like that they're reconciling. Like, do you believe that was genuine or like, where's your head at with that? It is so hard to tell with them because there is so much underhanded things that they're saying and they're not saying at the same time, I think with all of their exchanges. And history. uh, Yeah. I mean, their history is so deep. It's been like 20 years since they've been like true friends. And since they have really even come together. And then of course, Rhaenyra has been gone from, from Westeros for a while too, off with Damon, um, having little babies that should look like her and has blonde hair. So that's great. But I, at first when, you know, Rhaenyra stands up and is saying all this stuff and then Queen Allison stands up. I, I felt it was genuine. Um, even if for a moment, 
Um, or even if just maybe it's stuff that they had been feeling for so long, but each one is so prideful. And to your point, Kate, mm-hmm. like, you know, so far gone in thinking that, you know, well, we're only enemies because they have these ideas of what the other person wants in their head. Um, or that, you know, they have all these calculated moves. So I felt it was, it was genuine or as genuine as could be at the dinner table. I don't think Allison saying that to Rhaenyra before she was going to leave was genuine because I think Alicent will do anything to try to save her children, just like Rhaenyra will. And I think she's sitting here seeing what's going to happen and seeing Damon is not fucking around when it comes to protecting Rhaenyra, his stepchildren, his own children. Um, and that her kids are the ones that are going to be in the way of Rhaenyra having a very successful and smooth transition to the throne. Because I mean, King Viserys, Obviously, we don't know that he's going to die that night, but he dies that night. So mm-hmm. I think Allison was trying to smooth something over in the case that maybe her kids aren't going to be safe. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. And I mean, speaking of her kids, we already said that they could all be LVPs. Uh, Amond, who is the, the one Amond one eye, who for some reason looks significantly older than his older brother, Aegon. <laughs> I could, 50 years old. I couldn't get over that. He looks like a grown ass man where everyone yeah. else is teenagers. It, it was, it's bizarre a little bit, I think. Yeah. But, but that guy. supposed to be like 17? Well, he's the youngest out of the three. It goes Aegon, then Helena, and then, and then Aemond. He almost so, looks older than Damon. <laughs> like, truly. It's, it's, I mean, Damon has not aged in, in no. the 20 years or whatever. Like, <laughs> him and Sir Kristen are the only ones that are just. Yeah. Oh, uh, looking fine. Fine as wine. Yeah, and Sir Kristen's still a hater after 20 whatever years. Oh God, <laughs> Which is another guy. thing. Yeah, I'm I'm glad that dude was not in this episode really. But yeah. uh so uh dumbass little oh, who is it? Luke uh, Valerian, the the little brown-headed strong boy, he antagonizes Amond. <laughs> uh and Amond gets pissed. And gives the toast, which really like started all the shit again, even after everyone reconciled. You knew it was going to go bad. You said, no, how? Turns out this dude is a complete psychopath. Also, I don't think he blinked one. He has one eye. I don't think he's he blinked once in the whole episode. He's just, he's like, he's like a, the whole episode. How do he do that? How do he do that? One eye is so wide like, It's like Mad Eye movies. Like, man, that's weird so and hard. crazy. But like that guy, I think I don't know if it's just the actor. I mean, I guess it's yeah, it's just his acting. But like, I'm worried about that guy now. <laughs> like, he is a pretty he's a badass. And again, I can't wait to see him fight Damon. But he goes up. Uh, you know, he toasts to the to the health of my nephews, Jace, Luke, and Joffrey. Which is just Joffrey. It's just so funny every time I hear that. Each of them handsome, wise, strong. Come, let us drain our cups of these three strong boys. And like, everyone gets very angry. Uh, Jace tries to get big. I dare you to say that again. <laughs> All right, what are you gonna do? He gets worked every time he goes up against him, but literally immediately. <laughs> okay, He's that's so sweet though. I love him. They are really sweet. And I mean, I've seen a lot of things of like people saying this of how they've been raised, you know, right in a lot of ways that they're very respectful and they treat women right, and like you know, they know how to act and they're not fucking going around raping people. But like, please teach them how to fight. Like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, I'm tired. They remind me, we used to have this cat. His name was Saber. And he would go out 
and literally start fights with all the neighborhood cats. And he would get his ass beat every time. <laughs> my grandma would be like, this is the last time I'm taking him to the vet. Like, and it was like, obviously like we would keep on taking him to the vet, but like, come on. Like, it's just so crazy. Like <laughs> if you're going to talk shit, like you got to back it up and they have not done it at all. I will say like talking about that is Amond his progress in like becoming like what is potential to be like a great warrior and like a great fighter. He's like, he's really made a lot of progress. He's like, no one is going to fuck around with me anymore. And so when that roast pig came, he was like, all right, let's do this. So I PTSD right there, huh? With that pig. Yeah, yeah. Like it definitely triggered some shit. And he's like, he, now that he's definitely got that big dragon energy. All right. So, but just like you said, it shows the, the difference too, between Rhaenyra's kids and Allison's kids and how, you know, one, uh, to one side, they're super just terrible. Like, you know, they're either psychos or assholes or weirdos or rapists on the other hand and like you know the mom is telling them you're not my son <laughs> like on the other hand there's Rhaenyra who loves and takes care of and protects her her kids and they're all very respectful so just you know that's all done on purpose right and it says more about the characteristic the character of the the mothers almost than it does about the kids mm-hmm. so it's just eh, it's interesting and but those kids they're just pussies you're like you're right and one of them he goes uh the younger one Luke he's like no one would no one would question me being the heir to Driftmark if I looked more like Sir Laner Valerian instead of Sir Harwin Strong. It's like, we get it, bro. We know you're a fucking bastard. You don't got to keep telling us this. And also, you're a little kid. Fuck. My <laughs> God. I know. We, we talked about it in the last podcast, how what is Rhaenyra doing by not just lying to these kids all the time? They're like, is this guy really my father? Am I a bastard? Like, oh, it's okay. Like, lie to your children. Yes. <laughs> what? Yes. what? Yeah. That is one thing. It seems that Rhaenyra, I mean, give her credit. She doesn't lie. She's very careful with her words. Like, you know, she's like, he asked that and she's like, all that matters is that you're a Targaryen. Bitch. Yeah. Like she's so worried about like, then all of a sudden she's like, you know, sneaking through the hall, seeing all these things, like hearing all these things. All these people have these insinuations. She knows if King Viserys or somebody was to come forward and like, do be like, yo, look, like you have some bastards. You're all dying. Like she knows that. And it's like, so yeah, lie. Like if you're going to protect your kids, lie your ass off. Don't be talking to anybody about any of that stuff. Why are you having Sir Harwin come so many times? Like (laughs) she's just not sneaky about it at all. Also, I think the the oldest one is Sir Kristen's kid, I think, or I would guess because his hair is not as curly as the other ones. So I was also very confused on why Sir Kristen, I guess he has it out for Rhaenyra, but like why he doesn't also recognize that if it, that it could be his. Yeah. I don't, I don't think he, I think he's more mad about the rejection than anything. You know what I mean? And he just can't get over that. So. Well, she had the plan B T. I guess I don't know if she drank it or not. Well, that's the thing, right? Yeah. Oh God. But yeah. Um, oh, sorry. I was going to. Yeah, so Rhaenyra is now pregnant again with her third baby with Damon. So this is her sixth kid. She's got so many kids. And yeah, it's I mean, like so crazy because we've seen how dangerous childbirth is. Like so many people have died, like violent deaths. Yeah, and yeah. The heir to the throne, like you can stop having kids. Yeah. So like, let's see. Right, with Westeros. the whole a uh, big addition to this episode was the um, the inclusion of a lot of religion and seven pointed star and all that, like on mm-hmm. all of Allison's costumes and all over King's Landing. And so it seems that in the last six years, she found religion. Like, 
what do you think about that? Is it bullshit? I mean, is it really like her way of coping with, you know, having a little bit of a nervous breakdown when we last saw her and she freaked out and attacked, in, you know, in front of everybody? What do, you, what do you think about the religion and how it relates to Allison? So I think it is real. I think she is religious because I think there was some um, clues to that or like in the early episodes, I think she alluded to some religious things. So it seems like she started out that way and she may have just, you know, gotten into it more as she's trying to keep her head on with her asshole kids and her dying husband. Um, but it also reminded me a lot of Cersei because she kind of did the same thing with the light of the seven with the high sparrow, but obviously she but it was all bullshit with her. Yeah. It was bullshit for her, but she wore like a really similar type of thing. She kind of did decorations in the castle too. So it just reminded me of that, but it was, I think Allison is like, try, like trying to be religious. Hmm. What about yeah. you? Kelsey? Um, I mean, it's hard. I mean, it's hard for me being someone like I was raised Christian and then obviously now I'm, I don't believe, but I think people turn to religion for a lot of different reasons. For me with Allison, I feel like she's, yeah, to your point, trying to, you know, Rhaenyra says like, now everyone sees you as you are after she gets stabbed and she gets crazy and like doing all this stuff and like really just shows her hypocritical side and just really just shows that she really is full of a lot of BS in a lot of ways. Um, and that she's just so hyper-focused on whatever it is to try to keep Rhaenyra out of there. Um, but I think it's a way for her to try to repent and try to make up for that. And also just in general, it's very interesting seeing that groundwork laid for, you know, for when we see Game of Thrones and you see how important the light of the seven is and that religion and how much it grows in Westeros, because I believe that the Targaryens don't buy into that. They have like either a different religion or a different set of morals or roles or whatever it is. That's so different. So it might also kind of be like a fuck you of like, yeah, I'm married to King Viserys Targaryen, but fuck you to the Targaryens because your house is changing and you, there's nothing you can do about it. And now there's going to be the light of the seven in, you know, in this kingdom. And it's just like another, like, you know, just kind of like, digging that sword in a little bit so could go either way or maybe both well they took down a lot of the targaryen like imagery paintings Mm. and and all that stuff and Mm. replaced it with a lot of like religious artifacts and stuff like that now so it was interesting to see for sure well staying on alicent (laughs) i think it's funny how early on and we kind of laughed about this quote in you know one of the first episode where uh i think it was when alicent accuses rhaenyra of hooking up with daemon and she's like, nah, I wouldn't do that. Like, he's my uncle. And, and Allison's like, well, you Targaryens have queer customs. Like, that's weird with your weird incest stuff that you Targaryens do. And yet she then married her son to her daughter. So, like, That's bro, a great point. You know? So weird. But Which... I was thinking, like, do you think that that's because they, like, he couldn't marry anybody else, like, outside of their family? Because he's, like, such a prick. And, like a rapist and like I mean look at Joffrey right he was married multiple times I I think it's because it's another play of like married ones trying to you know have a stronger claim to the throne of like look this is King Viserys's heir 
he's a true Targaryen and his wife is a Targaryen. Like it's, it's undeniable. They're both Targaryens. And so I think it's whether it was her doing or Otto's doing, um, we don't really see a lot of Otto. Like we kind of, he just kind of comes back into the picture all of a sudden, like a few episodes before. Um, and so whether it's her doing Otto's doing both of them are doings, I think it's just yet another chess move to try to strengthen yeah. their claim. And even though he's a terrible person, they're just trying to be like, okay, well, he's a true Targaryen. He deserves to be on the Iron Throne. Yeah. So kind of recapping about Allison though, we had her turn into religion right after the six years. And I mean, really the whole episode, even I thought that when Vaymond was like, these children are bastard. Like when all when that whole thing went down, like I, they, they showed Allison and I thought she'd be like, Oh shit. Like, fuck yeah. Like tell him, uh, Vaymond. She was kind of like outraged. Like she's like, Oh my, you know, she wasn't hyping it up or anything. Um, you see at the dinner, like she kind of makes amends and like, you, you know, you think that they might reconcile, but then you see the misunderstanding, the, the, the big misunderstanding at the end where King Viserys is literally on his deathbed and he's all fucked up. He's dying. He is all drugged up. And he thinks he's continuing the conversation with Rhaenyra about the prince that was promised and Aegon's dream, meaning Aegon the Conqueror, and how important it is to have Rhaenyra on the throne to keep the realm united. Now, obviously, this gets misunderstood by Alicent, which will then reignite the conflict between the two factions. My question to you both is, what do you take? Like, what's your take on this? I mean, do you think uh, Alicent kind of was just like wanted to hear whatever she wanted to hear? And she used that as confirmation to go with whatever she wanted to do anyway? Do you think, I mean, how do you interpret her misinterpreting that conversation? Kate, I'll, I'll ask you. Oh my God. Well, it's so frustrating to watch because we, as the audience, like we know what he's talking about and we know he thinks he's talking to Rhaenyra. Mm -hmm. She clearly thinks that he's talking about their son, which I don't think Viserys even likes any of his kids with Allison. Um, he doesn't even recognize them. Yeah. He called, he well, called yeah. Rhaenyra his only child. Yeah, for sure. So like, I don't know why she would think that. I mean, I guess they all have the same name, so whatever. But I think the implications for this are going to be massive. Like, I think Allison is going to take this. She's going to run with it. She's going to say on his dying breath, he said he wants Aegon to be the ruler, take care of the Iron Drum, and it's going to cause this massive conflict. Um, and I'm really, I'm really concerned about it. Yeah. But so I agree with you, Kate and Kelsey, do you think though, that, that Alicent was kind of a changed woman? She like got right a little bit. She reconciled with her friend. And then like, this was, this forced her to rethink that. Or do you think she was bullshitting the whole time and was just like, all right, cool. I'm going to use this as a way to get what I want. Man, I really go back and forth with this because to your point, I mean, you can totally take this as her just hearing what she wants to hear and hearing what she's been working for for so long and trying to really instill in Aegon that's been instilled in her from Otto Hightower of like, 
you have to be ready. Like you have a legitimate claim to the throne and this is going to divide the kingdom. Once your dad dies, like Rhaenyra is going to raise up, but people are not going to be happy about it. And you are going to be the only thing in the way. Um, so it could be, I think it's partially that personally. I mean, I know it's so funny that she just leaves and then he's like, dies like two seconds later, but like, if you, she really cared that much, like you think she would like be in his bed, like all night, like to be with him. But like, if someone's telling me something and I'm like, what, huh? I don't understand song of ice and fire, like fire and ice or whatever, like whatever this whole secret thing that the Targaryens have, like, and then I hear Aegon knowing that there's other Aegon. So not only is there Aegon, the conqueror, Aegon, her son, but also Aegon, Rhaenyra's son. Like, how was she just being like, oh, Aegon, our Aegon. Okay, cool. Got it, bro. Bye go die. Okay. Like, give me a (laughs) fucking break. Like, come on. Like, so I think it definitely was what like she wanted to hear. And it's, I mean, it's so hard. We're creatures of habit. Like we're creatures of patterns and habits and things that, that we've been told and also our own thoughts. So I mean, 20 year, 20 plus years of her going through all this and just having this drilled into her by her own father of like your kids are going to die. If Rhaenyra goes to the throne, like you have to do whatever you can to not to prevent that. Like as a mom, I'm sure that like made her crazy. So I think it was just, it just snapped her back into like, yo, like into reality of what the situation actually is. Um, would it have played out that way with Rhaenyra? I don't think so. Um, especially because her kids don't seem to fucking want it. Maybe Amon, Amond want might because he's crazy, but I just, I don't know. I don't really buy it. And it's very unfortunate that instead of Rhaenyra going to see her father on her, on his bed before she leaves to take the kids back, that it was Allison. And it's, it sets the whole thing for me to cry over a lot of dead dragons, I think. So, yeah, no doubt. Well, is there anything else in this episode that you want to touch on that we maybe haven't talked about yet or things that you're excited to watch for in future episodes, or even maybe some predictions that you guys have? I just got to say, um, Lenor and Sir Carl, Carl with a Q, Q-R-L. um, <laughs> I did not know. I really thought that they were going to kill Lenor, and I was like, what is going on? I should have known better, obviously, but what a masterful plan. First of all, it's heartbreaking for the Valeria, for the Valerian Valerians. And how much loss that they've gone through, especially um, for Renice, whose husband is dying, who seeing all this, like, you know, her just had to bury, well, send her daughter out to sea, all this stuff. And it's just, it's so heartbreaking. But I mean, Lenor gets to go and be himself. And what an amazing plan to be able to also have Rhaenyra and Damon, who look the happiest that I've ever seen either of them. They seem so happy together. I don't know how long that's going to last. Cause to your point, Kate, happiness doesn't last in Westeros. Um, but I just, I, that scene was pretty incredible to me and he looks good with his shaved head. Uh, anything for you that you want to touch on Kate? Um, just a couple of things like another, um, scene that I really liked was the, the night, talk between Rhaenyra and Viserys um, when it's raining out and she kind of goes to him in the night and I I just thought it was just such a 
emotional scene, like I, the way that um, uh, she was crying um, was just like so emotional for me. And it was just really the first time that we heard her question, like, do I, I thought I wanted this. Do I even want this? This is such a big burden yeah. and just kind of, you know, breaking down a little bit in front of her father and just begging with him and pleading with him to, to back her. And it's sad because like, he really does, he, you know, to his last dying breath, he supports her totally. Um, but she, you know, he's all drugged up and he doesn't really respond, um, or understand her. So I just really like that scene. Um, and then as far as like looking forward, we also had a tiny little scene with, I think her name is Mysteria. She's getting all the dirt from the castle. And I don't know what she's going to do with that. Um, I have no idea where that's going, but I thought that was interesting that they stuck that in there, that she's been getting all this information for all these years from the, um, the little, the maid. Um, so that's something to watch out for. And then also we didn't see Laris at all in this episode. Um, but he, <laughs> I know he's so like skeezy, like, oh, um, but I think he's definitely someone to watch out for moving forward because kind of the last time that we saw him, Alicent was basically like, well, I'm going to need a friend at some point. So I'm going to like be calling on you. Mm -hmm. So I'm pretty sure he's going to come back and he's not on our side. So, yeah, but also he says too, that like, he's going to need a favor someday as well. And like in exchange for something that Allison didn't explicitly say that she wanted. So now they're definitely in cahoots together. Um, just going back to your point Kate, about like just the tender moment between Rhaenyra and Viserys, um, when they first arrive and you see Damon's reaction too. like, he obviously is very taken aback by his brother's state. Um, and I think for anyone who has suffered loss and has seen someone go through, um, you know, obviously not, hopefully not whatever Viserys has, which I, which I think is, what is that? Whatever makes you lose your stuff. What is that? Not lupus. They never said it. I think it's, um, what's the thing that like mother Teresa used to, uh, like help people with whatever I'll, leprosy? I'll figure leprosy. Thank you. Yeah. I was like, not lupus. Yeah. So I think he's like leprosy or something. But like anyone who has gone through losing a loved one and especially like a long battle with something and like seeing them in that state and just really become kind of like a shell of the person there. Like on, on one hand, you don't want them to suffer and, and you just, you know, you don't like seeing them, but you want to be there for them. And obviously in this world, people are separated, it takes a long time to come to people. Um, so I just think it was so nice that they had those tender moments. And I think it it might've been really cathartic for anyone who has gone through that and seen that. And maybe hopefully reminds people about that life is short and the shit that you care about at the end doesn't really matter. And all that matters is like, you know, the love that you give and the love that you receive and the people around you. So I think it was just really touching and just a great layer of these characters to see. And, um, all these girl dads just stepping up. I love it. Mm -hmm. Um, well, yeah, I, I agree with everything you said on that. And Kate, going back to Masseria or whatever her name was, I mean, that, that I, that's at the top of my list of what to watch for. Uh, and tell me you didn't think, we, we talked last time about 
how Damon has his committing crimes outfit, which is the hood. Yes. Where it's like the hood either like gets him in like the mood to be shady or like to just pull off some shady shit. Like no one's gonna recognize him. But so we see someone sneaking around in the hood, going, "I'm like, ooh, Damon's gonna do some something fun right now." You know, hundred percent. Yeah, and it was the maid to go and reporting to to uh, his former whore. So I don't know where that's gonna go. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to see. And then the last thing that I have is last week, Travis made a really good point, which I didn't know, that Helena, um, Allison's daughter, is like a a prophet, like a dreamer or something. I I forget what they call it. But she actually called the fact that in order to get the dragon, uh, Eamon was going to have to lose his eye. Oh, wow. And so she's, and we, we joked about, how every time she opens her mouth, which is so rare, but every time she opens her mouth, someone's going to follow her around and write down all the things she says. But so in this episode, she had another little prophecy too. And out of nowhere, it was when someone was giving a speech. I can't remember who. She just blurts out and interrupts the speech at the family dinner. And she says, beware the beast beneath the boards. So I wrote that down in all caps, multiple exclamation points, because I guarantee that's going to come back and be a thing. I have no idea what that could be the beast beneath the boards i mean i would guess maybe it's damon because i feel like he's sneaky sometimes and maybe he'll like i don't know put his hood on climb go under the floor and kill someone that way i have no idea but beware the beast beneath the boards i'm excited to see what happens with that because it's definitely a prophecy and it's definitely coming true so it's so funny because i caught that on the second uh watch that i did of this but i thought (laughs) i thought she was just saying something about bugs (laughs) <laughs> which also would apply probably <laughs> she's such a weirdo uh well all right guys anything else uh before we wrap up here really quick for some watch outs um little finger do we know who his mom is or like how he says like obviously he climbs the ladder but i wonder if he's like related to that lady at all i don't no, know he, he's from like a really lesser house Another, in like an, okay yeah. okay and then um beast beneath the boards maybe it might like you know um what is it song it's like uh light of the seven that episode where it's like all the dragon fire or was it wildfire underneath thing that like exposed everything maybe it's like a super futuristic thing but yeah i don't know i noticed that too so definitely some watch outs you guys i'm so excited and also i'm so excited to finally be back i can't tell you how sad i was to not be watching house of the dragon this whole time and rings of power and like it was actually kind of nice being able to binge three episodes at once even though i'm kind of jumbling them all together now but man i love this (laughs) glad to be back yeah no doubt well that's gonna do it for today's episode of the geek and you shall find podcast we will be back again as always next week with an episode with not just my own stupid face talking rings of power we'll have the whole gang back again talking rings of power and episode nine which is usually the craziest episode of house of the dragon so make sure to subscribe and hit the little bell on youtube so you can be notified when those episodes drop thanks for watching thanks for listening to all of our subscribers in germany auf wiedersehen auf wiedersehen Thank you for listening to another episode of the Geek and You Shall Find podcast, powered by Superhero Faces. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Superhero Faces. And on Instagram at Superhero underscore Faces.